So I want to invite some awesome panelists to join us. First of all, you already heard from him, but let's bring back the episode director and co-executive producer, Ken Whittingham. Super excited to talk about all things that went into that transformation. Ken, come down here with, with me. I want to be next to you in the photos because you are so awesome. <laughs> uh, we are so excited to have the production designer for the show, Ayana Trotter. Please welcome her. this incredible woman just for you, the costume designer of this episode in the series. We're so happy to have Barbara Chanel here with us. My partner's here who led this project. He's the account manager for uh, ABC and partnerships like these when we do them from Yellow Shoes Media Network Synergy. Welcome, Kian Almrod is here with us. Events, I call him Big Brother. That's not his title and roster. That's what I call him. Uh, please welcome Chris Shepard. Wow. So let's do this. Um, I just shared your title for the sake of time, but can we go down the line? Can I'd love to start with you and talk to me about what is your role and how is it connected to what we just saw? Well, again, I'm Ken Winningham, co-executive producer and director of this episode, and uh, my role was to um, direct the show for the most part, um, and just putting it all together. And it was an awesome, awesome experience because there was so much planning that went into it, and through its synergy and the you know the people, our production staff, and everything, it took months to really plan this thing to do it right, and. Um, that was, it was just awesome and it went off smooth and, and I was very proud of what we did. Kim, before we move on, I wanna just sort of ground the room. You've directed quite a few um, shows and series and titles. Would you let the room into some of the other work that you've done? I just wanna share yeah. that moment. Well, we'll start with ABC. <laughs> uh, Abbott Elementary, um, Black uh, uh, The Office, 30 Rock, uh, Entourage, um, Bernie Mac show, um, this Bonner family, uh, trying to keep it ABC. <laughs> I love how kids rattling all this off like it's no big deal. You know, the office. Everything great. Anna, talk to us about your role and how it's connected to what we just saw. Hello. Okay. Hi, I'm Ayanna Trotter. Um, I'm the production designer and I'm responsible for all the scenery, so built scenery, locations, and in my departments, the construction, set decoration, and props. And in the beginning of every episode, I work with Ken and Saladin and any guest director to kind of talk about the vision and what we want to build and bring to the episode. Hi, hi, my name is Barbara Chenault, and I'm the costume designer for the show. And um, gosh, it's it's a, a lot that goes into uh, pulling the week to week uh, the show together week after week. Um, it's a lot of collaborating with Ayana, uh, production design, and um, understanding the look of the show, what the colors and the texture and the um, the sets will be week after week, as well as working with prop the prop department. We work with uh, intensely and, and just kind of 
coordinate, a lot of collaborating and coordinating with them in particular to uh, get the look of the show right. Um, as far as the costuming, we pull costumes from uh, studio warehouses in LA, uh, we scour vintage clothing stores across the country, online resources, you know, the mall, anywhere we can find something that, <laughs> that will make it happen. We find it, in some instances we build it. Um, I have a team of about 16 to 18 people that uh, help pull it together as well. Um, we have a creative team, myself and an assistant uh, costume designer. We have um, a team that manages the set work uh, when production is happening and shooting is happening and they're main, uh, watching what happens and takes place during that time. And I have a wonderful team who puts together looks for the background artists you see that pass through the scenes that uh, are dressed from head to toe uh, week after week in 1960, late 60s costumes that really fill the space and make it look authentic. Ultimately, we want it to look effortless, but uh, we put a lot into it to get there. <laughs> and it's a lot of hard work. <laughs> I'm Kian Albright. I am Yellow Shoes Manager uh, and the account manager for this particular project uh, for uh, the Wonder Years. Sort of doing all of the pre-planning with the Disneyland portion of the episode and then also working with all of the uh, promotions after working hand-in-hand -hand with uh, everyone at ABC and 20th to, to bring this to, to the world. What's up, Disneyland? Yeah. Uh, well, um, I'm Chris Shepard, Vice President, Special Events TV Broadcast. You know me as Shep if you see me walking around, but Prince, I wanted to, that is my little brother right there. Um, Ken and team, though, I do want to say before we get into this, I just want to thank you all for how you made our park look and feel. And, you know, as a dad, because that's kind of my identity now first, um, to see that wonderful family enjoy their time um, in our park. I think it was awesome. And you know, sitting with Clark Jones, our, our CFO and Andre from our team, and, and we just couldn't stop laughing and smiling and enjoying you know, what, what we saw. So thank you for doing that for all of us here. Yeah. Thank you for shouting out Clark and Andre, so glad y'all are here. Thank you for hanging out with us tonight. Um, can I want to ask what makes this reimagining of the show, The Wonder Years, special? What made it special is um, the original um, show back in the 80s, I believe, uh, took place in anywhere America. They never really specified where it was. It was California. <laughs> if you look at the license plates, you can see it says California. <laughs> if you're really detailed as I am. But what was great about this is that it was a different it was a different time in a different place. It was Montgomery, Alabama, 1969, middle class family. And we got a real chance to glimpse into what was going on during that time because our creator was actually from Montgomery, Alabama. And, um, and being that I was actually the same age as Dean was in 1969, I channeled that very... It's one of the reasons why I wanted to do the show so bad, and I fell in love with the show from the very beginning. So I was able to add those those nuances to the show, those things that I remember as you know things like 
you know, there was a, a television, and and there was a we had a director come in and say, well, they they can use the remote. Well, there was an economic <laughs> issue there also because uh, 1969, most African Americans said, we don't need a remote. We can just get them turn the TV. <laughs> so, so those things like that, and 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 things like the belt, you know, <laughs> you know, Saladin actually came up with that at the very last minute, right, right when we were doing the show, <laughs> and it was just so funny. So, um, those were some of the things that that I that, that I really appreciated and, and tried to add to the show, and that was a little bit different than what it was like in everywhere America. I think that's incredible because it points to cultural nuance and things that speak to the audience that we're able to translate in small gestures. I, I loved the Florence Ballard bit. Like, I just think there are moments in that that speak to, hey, we've had conversations like that, or that's how my grandma would approach it. And, and a cultural story is important to this reimagining. Um, Barbara, I wanted to ask, how did you feel getting the call to work on season two? And what did you hope to add to uh, this great show? Oh, I was thrilled to get um, you know, the opportunity to um, to be a part of season two. I, I did not have anything to do with season one, so I only did season two. Um, and I was always a fan of the show from the beginning. I, I tried to to be a, the designer on season one. It didn't go that, go that way, but it's funny, you know, things come back around. Um, it was a joy and a treat to, to be a part of it. And, um, you know, I, I'm a fan of, uh, uh, not vintage, but uh, period costuming. And so the opportunity when it came, it was sort of like, I didn't have to think twice. It was an opportunity that I wanted and was very glad to be a part of, yeah. Ayanna, I think as we're talking about like costuming and as we're talking about doing a period piece, I love that um, your role in production design encompasses so much of what we see. It, it is so much more than we might even think goes into it. Um, and as we're talking about telling a cultural story, how do you tell that cultural story through design? Well, that's a kind of a multi-layered uh, question, so I'll kind of lay it out. Um, so when the audience is looking at the sets, you know, some things you're registering consciously and something you're kind of registering unconsciously. And so when we built the Williams house, you know, we built it from scratch and it's based very specifically on this uh, middle class black neighborhood in Montgomery, Alabama during that time period. So all the houses were that kind of uh, one story, kind of, we just think of them as mid-century houses. But, you know, unconsciously you try to bring in details like the color palette, and, you know, I'm trying to think of color palettes that's going to look good with the cast, and, you know, how high do I make the ceiling? You know, I maybe make it a little bit lower than normal because we want to see that ceiling as Dean's looking up at everybody, you know, and it also makes the house more intimate. You, you know, you want that house to really kind of embrace you. So there's subconscious choices like that, and then there's very conscious choices like, you know, the artwork. Uh, Bill, let's say, he's probably, he's in the art scene, and he's choosing paintings that are maybe by contemporary black painters. There wasn't a lot in that time. You know, most people just had like landscapes or, you know, in their house, but as you see around the house, you see more modern pieces. So 
for that kind of thing, what we would do is go out and you know talk to painters in Atlanta who had work that could you know this looks like kind of like 19 late 60s and we'd buy that painting. Um, the family photos in the house is a lot of photos from my art department's family. You know we put it there and just um, little things to you know bring authenticity, even like the books on the shelf, you'll see, you know, all kinds of black authors and uh, details like that. Um, I remember when I was doing Dean's Room, I was like, you know, there's a lot of research and we use things like, I, it's a lot of photojournalism. There was a civil rights uh, photographer who worked for the Southern Courier for a while and he had all these pictures of families in uh, Montgomery, Alabama at the time, and that's great research, but I'm like, where's the little boy's room? Like, where, you know, what's Dean's room gonna look like? And then on Ellen Getty images, I come across a photo of um, Dexter King, Martin Luther King's son, in his bedroom, and he's kind of got this early American style twin bed, him and whoever his brother is, and it's like plaid, and they've got a shag rug, and he's got all, like shelves above him, the kind, of old, the old school kind, where they've got little brackets filled with books, filled with like toys and family photos, and I was like, that's the photo. This is maybe, you know, and, just, and it was Atlanta in 1965, very similar, and I was like, that's the image I want to grab for Dean's room. So between research and, you know, maybe my own collective memory and a little bit of families and a little bit of just sort of intuition. You kind of bring together the elements. That is incredible. And what I hear you saying is, yeah. And what I hear you saying is that authenticity really takes intentionality and research. Lots, yeah, lots of research. Yeah. I, I don't know if y'all heard, she said she'd be looking at the ceiling height. I said, oh, I didn't know you could control that. Our tape measure is always with us. Who works in sets? Does anybody work on the sets here? Yay! <laughs> not y'all giving me that face. Like, how did you not know that? Of course not. Uh, Chef, I want to start on your end, and I want to work my way down with this question. Yeah. As we now talk about what it took to do that episode, all of you all worked on this, but we obviously all have a sort of personal connection to this work. So I want to ask, um, what was your favorite Disney memory, your personal favorite Disney memory? Um, of this episode, just been in general, your favorite personal, yeah, yeah, favorite personal Disney memory. Oh man, um, getting hired here. Uh, I got hired. I was a San Diego teenager who got on a train and came down here because my dad was living up here, and I got a summer job working on canoes. And so, to me, that was like the greatest job you could ever have. And I still debated at times. Uh, <laughs> and I have the greatest job, really, right now. Um, but no, you know, honestly, to be able to see that family, um, and this is a real story, I had a little chess box with chess pieces. I was like 13. And I saved money from cutting lawns, and I did almost the exact same thing. You know, my, my dad was gone, my dad to my mom, we can go, we can go. So, you know, that's probably my second memory is, favorite is just coming here with my mom and my two sisters going, I want to work here, and you know, I never thought I'd be still here, this old, or vintage. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you wanted me to talk about 
how we got to this show or just keep with the person? Yeah, we'll come there in just a second. I can talk about that. <laughs> Kia, favorite Disney memory? Uh, yeah, uh, probably a deep cut, but when I was a kid, my favorite parade was the World According to Goofy Parade. It ran for like two summers, and I just distinctly love, I mean, Goofy's my favorite character, so I, that just sticks out to me, and, and yeah, I love that parade. Anyone else remember that parade? Yeah. You do? Yeah. Okay, it's great. It's fantastic. King Pie. Loved it. Uh, well, being a part of this episode, I, Mickey Mouse, I mean, that was, we recreated the costume for Mickey and took it back to 1969. And it was, um, it was, I didn't think I would be in awe of Mickey the way I was in the process because we sourced the fabric uh, for Mickey's look and recreated it, had fittings with Mickey and pulled it off and it was, I was just, I felt the magic of being around Mickey. It was, I was really excited and just, you know, Mickey's an icon and I just felt that, that iconic magic that Mickey gives. So, yeah, that was it. Well, this, when we shot that episode, it was really only the third time I'd been at the park. And actually, it was the day we shot Main Street. It was very memorable because we started at 5 a.m. and the castle was like purple in the night there's these weird lights but then when we shot the scene and Mickey was there and these there was these two twin girls playing with Mickey and they were so happy like they were cracking up and the Mickey was doing all these little little gags and the dapper dance come out and the balloons and all of our costumed extras it was just like well, where am I it was crazy. Yeah, so that was a very memorable moment kind of like we did this yeah uh, well, <clears throat> other than hundreds of people singing happy birthday to me, <laughs> which, which are one of the best ADs I've ever worked with, um, Rusty Manuel, who is here today. So he, he told everyone it was my birthday. Uh, a little embarrassed, but very, it was very memorable. But other than that, um, was the fact that I, I really worried about one scene in particular. And that scene was, um, we had a very limited amount of time to shoot a scene. So we literally had to shoot one half of the scene on Saturday and the other half on Sunday. And we had to make sure that the, the weather was right. And then the clouds and everything. And it actually, we actually pulled it off. So that was probably one of my happiest moments. <laughs> and most memorable moments. Because I was just really worried about that. I didn't know if it was gonna rain or if it was gonna be sunny. So we, uh, that was probably one of the best moments. Uh, as Ken mentioned, it was his uh, birthday the day that we shot this. And I think that's kind of cool to have your birthday party travel back in time. <laughs> like, <laughs> Ken, when you found out that we're doing the show integration and you're going to bring the Williams family to Disneyland, what was your creative approach to telling that story? My creative reproach was um, simply I just channeled, channeled my feeling, you know, because back then it's probably around the same time it was the first time that I came to Disneyland. And I remember the excitement I had and the anticipation. And even though we didn't travel from Alabama, from Montgomery, Alabama to California, we traveled from Altadena, California to, <laughs> to Disneyland. And so it seemed just as long. <laughs> so I just really channeled that and just that excitement and the, the way my parents felt about it. And, you know, they were, they were, they were, you know, they were happy, but I was 
really, really happy about it. <clears throat> and and I think um, I think that was probably what I what I what I kept going with my excitement and how happy I was and tried to keep that tone and that feel going. So Ken's leading us from a creative perspective. Shep, I want you to talk about again, we decided to do this integration. Yep. Um, we're celebrating partnership and the cast. What does it take to bring a film shoot like this to the parks? Take us into something like that. It takes time. Um, you know, the, the first thing is just that understanding. We're not exactly close set, you know, here. It's a real living, breathing thing at the park. And, um, you know, where's my sister Sybil somewhere? We're, we're like partners in crime on this, at, and, and we have the discussions with Mike and your team in Yellow Shoes on. One, we want to always make sure our park is shining, right? Two, we always want to preserve what the cast look like, right? They, because all of you um, are, are our shining examples of why people want to come to the parks. So we want to make sure they're always in a, in a great light. Um, but three, it just takes a lot of coordination and time to make sure that we can work around um, the fact that we're a theme park. And so your early hours, your late nights, and, and everything else to bring a production team so that this group up here can then put out a fantastic show. So it's really a lot of time, a lot of coordination, um, and, and it starts with just initial discussion, but um, I, I hope you guys think that uh, it was awesome. And the, what, the other thing I really love about it is just the pride that we take as cast members to where if you can see a skipper or someone taking a picture, or the fact that you know we want the period piece to look like it did back then because we're so sticklers on detail. That was all done, and that's with the time and the effort of everybody working together. So Ken, I'm gonna pick up there because um, this show integration presented a unique opportunity to transform Disneyland. When we do other show integrations, it's bringing them in real time, present day. As a period piece, we are stepping back in time, but we are standing in a 2023 Main Street. So can you tell us about some of the opportunities uh, that that presented to transform Disneyland? Yeah, it's, it's a really fun opportunity because as you said, typically if it's if it's a show on, on television like Home Economics, we want to feature the latest and greatest of what's at Disneyland. So in that case, it was Galaxy's Edge. This show taking place in 1969, we had to first realize Disney World didn't exist then, so a family from nowadays Montgomery would go to Disney World, typically, but now this one's coming to Disneyland, so then we have to think about what are the attractions, what do the characters, what do the costumes all look like during that time period, and, and, uh, and what didn't exist. So if you looked at the scene with the Jungle Cruise, for example, all of the scenes that you can see through uh, that, that, um, that part as, or scenes that existed, back then, because the Jungle Cruise has gone through an, an update recently, so we had to make sure that we weren't showing those scenes. Um, but then if you look at the costumes and the characters that we featured on uh, Main Street, you'll see the Big Bad Wolf, who was a costume character that was here back in 1969. You'll see the Penguins, which were here in 1969. Um, so that was really fun. And then and then the costumes. Barbara knows, knows this well, but we recreated um, the costumes that were at the Matterhorn back then, which was really, really cool, and she did such an amazing work. And, and that all comes about through you know bringing working with the the archives and, and chatting with them and and getting the measurements for the, the Mickey Mouse costume and um, and yeah it, it's it's really cool to sort of take that trip back in time and then making sure it feels authentic to to the story that we're trying to tell. 
I love where you landed authentic. Um, Ken, I'm gonna share one of the facts that you shared with me that churros weren't at the park yet at that time oh, either. So snacks in the we, I couldn't shout out the churros. I was so sad. Um, churros. But, <laughs> churros weren't here until 1985, we learned, so we couldn't have them in our scenes because churros weren't existent then. That is the most awesome random trivia fact ever to just be at a party. Did you know that churros were not at and I like that you landed at the goal with that transformation is authenticity, which is what all of us are, are dedicated to. But Ayanna, that's specifically a goal for, for you is in production design, having that authenticity. So can you walk us through what your process was like for that, as you already mentioned broadly from the show? Take us into this episode, how you secured that authenticity, especially from a props perspective, but just overall in general. Yes. Um before we started working with folks at Disney, when we knew this was going to happen, we went into research and we started watching a lot of YouTube videos because you see pictures and you're like, what year is that from? And wait, that looks different than the last one. And you know, wait, how many teacups were there? So th there's a lot of people who take you through history and, uh, th but it, it's still really hard to find the timeline on certain specific and you keep on having to like narrow it down and the graphics too and like which symbol are they using which Mickey you know which costume there was, there was all these like little transformations and I want to actually give a big shout out to our props master Tammy Patton yeah. who brought together so many important details for this uh, shoot like someone mentioned the tickets the, the tickets was like a whole thing where, you know, every year they change the cover color. So there's different color packets. There's ones for adults, one for kids. I think there's one more category. And so we had to kind of track down, you know, what is this, this, this night? Because we're practically 1970 at that point. And Tammy's like buying them on eBay. And then, you know, once you find the ones, they're all kind of like not complete. So I gotta reconstruct them, put them together. Our graphic designers kind of recreating them. And pretty soon across our whole office, we just have all these tickets. And then they're putting them together, stapling them and making like packets, all, you know, basically kind of by hand. And just little things like that, getting the authentic hats with the right symbol, trying to get the right balloons, which was a whole thing. All of it was really fun, but a lot of hard work, as, you know, especially for the props department. They really went above and beyond. Barbara, you took that authenticity to a whole nother level in everything that you mentioned with what both cast and extras are wearing. Can you talk to us about the importance and role of fashion in this show and in this episode, but also how you approach something that you said that captivated me, is that the extras are dressed as intentionally for this period as the main cast are. So can you take me into the importance of fashion and how you approached dressing this episode? Sure. Um... The fashion, I mean, one thing that I specifically, well, I love working with Ayana and Tammy in particular because they're both very intentional about the, um, the time period. I mean, I know we keep saying 1969, but sometimes you see shows on TV and people just take the iconic shape of that era and, you know, be it a flare-like pant for the 70s or fringe vest for the 70s. But the 60s is a, it's a decade, and the early 60s is very different from 
the late 60s, from the mid-60s. And so for me, I, would, I wanted to see the authenticity in the year and the time period. And so um, a lot of detail and, and intention and thought went into choosing certain uh, clothes and silhouette. I mean, the what I'm saying too is that the late 60s, the silhouette is, is a bit A-line and it's coming out of a time period when the lapels were thinner or the pant legs were more cigarette and narrow leg pant. And then you bleed into the 70s and things start, lapels get wider and by the end of the 70s they're that much bolder. So instead of just doing a blanket look over the, the over the, you know, dressing people in a blanket 1960s costume, I'm actually considering the color of the costumes for that specific time or some of the events that happened within the, 19, the late 60s that dictated a certain color or texture or, um, or reason for why people would dress the way they did. And another thought that went into it is that uh, the Williams family is traveling from Montgomery Georgia. And from my perspective as a designer, the look of uh, Southern costuming is different from California styling or costuming. You know, there's a different color palette out here and they're different, it's a more casualness to the clothes, especially in a theme park. And, um, you know, and then you go to New York and there's a bit more fashion forward or edginess or darker palette. So, in my mind, I'm thinking about all those different things that create, that, that we think about or that I think about in working with Tammy and Ayana, they're both very, very much work the same way and very detail oriented in that way to make uh, the full look of that, what you just saw come together, I think as well as it did because we were very conscious about those details that, that make it what it was. <laughs> Wow, wow, wow. I'm, I'm almost at time, so let me let me ask two questions. One to you, Kian. We've kind of talked about how this comes together. It's research and it's integrating into the script and it's creative vision. Um, and then we get on set and we're here with a closed down Main Street at five, six in the morning trying to make it happen. Can you talk about what it's like being on set and then some of the challenges we faced with this shoot specifically? Okay, uh, first of all, I, I know we're impressed with time, but um, I really want to give a shout out to Tammy, the head of our prop department. If you could stand up and just, just for a second. <laughs> These three women, they really put it together. They really, they were, they were tirelessly 24-7. I mean, they bombarded me with questions every single moment. And, and they were just, they were really the reason this really came together. Um, but as far as your question goes, there were challenges here and there. You know, like from the beginning, or initially, it was gonna happen at the ticket booth, you know, where they got, they, where they got, where they started, where they came in, they were coming in. But the background didn't look the same back then. There was a parking lot there, and now there's California, you know, America, California, America? California Adventure. Adventure. And so we had to move it, we had to move the, everything inside the park, which created its own challenge because um, we, they opened the park at seven o'clock and we, had, we were shooting. And so we couldn't have people who were dressed like modern day people who dressed today. We, they had to look like they, they were from 1969. So we kind of made this circle of our people, 200 people. And then everybody had to walk around us, 
you know. So we were able to, we were able to maintain the look and the feel of uh, of that time, and um, and so there were challenges, but we we had it. At, we 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 handled them, and it was and it was it was great. And but I give a lot of thanks to you know these three women who were very detailed with the tickets and the clothes and the feel and the California look and the Southern look. Um, so. Um, those were those were the biggest challenges, I think. He had anything to add. I'm gonna ask her last question. Uh, yeah, the, there's the predictable things like what existed, what didn't. Uh, there's also the unpredictable. So there was torrential downpours actually while we were shooting this episode at the Disneyland portion. So anything that you see was a, a, a miracle. The the clouds parted. It wasn't raining. I kid you not. As soon as they said cut on some of these scenes. Buckets, just buckets. I mean, it was pretty. You're welcome, though. You're, we, good. It's the Disney bubble, right? That magical Disney bubble we have when we shoot. Um, and then the crows in the morning. I think, do y'all know about the crows? That just every morning are here and they make noise and then they, they leave. So that, the, the rain, truly. I mean, that shot down Main Street, um, it was beautiful that morning. And then as soon as we said cut, buckets. Just rain, rain, rain. It was crazy. And the castle. I kind of know we actually had to because of the time oh. and theming of the castle. Just yeah, yeah. So the, the castle you'll see in that that final shot of the the photograph of the family. Um, we had to shoot this post holiday pre Disney 100 overlay, um, but unfortunately the they they hadn't fully taken the snow caps off the castle, so they had to the post production team had to go in and and digitally recreate what that castle looks like the the rooftops of them. Uh, for that last photo. Isn't that crazy? Magic of television. Um, Chef, I'm sorry with you. Here's our last question, about like 10 or so seconds each. I just want to know from you all, um, what did you learn from this collaboration and, and what do you hope the audience takes away from this episode? Uh, you know, learning is that we can always work together. We can do anything here. I've got a fantastic team and they work with some fantastic operators. We really can accomplish anything. It takes a village. The number of people that worked on this episode, on the Disneyland side, on the ABC side, on the 20th side, it's it's remarkable. Like tons and tons. So many thank yous across the board. Um, it takes a village to put this on, especially at the parks. Um, just that we, I hope we did it justice with bringing the 1969 look to the park. And um, that, that you feel the joy that the family had while they were in the park. And, magic of the Disneyland. Uh, I was just, it was a real pleasure to work with uh, Disney Synergy and the archives, which helped us so much. And so it, I'm just amazed to know all the departments about Disneyland, so that's really interesting as an outsider. And yeah, I hope that the audience takes away, you know, what an incredible season it's been and how how more heartwarming it is, and interesting, and fun, and that they want to see a season three. Yeah. Um, I am. Um, I think our AD staff and our production staff and and everybody that was involved with it with it hey, really deserves a lot of credit because every we really were a team and we worked very very well together and and we were very conscious about detail. I mean, Rusty. 
uh, he was just so concerned about detail, 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 and we covered every every bit. And um, so I think the audience that watches the show will pay attention to things like the eating tickets, the you know what it was really like back then, because you know there's always somebody saying, "Wait a minute, that's not correct." That was <laughs> so. I um I really think that um, they will take away the work that we put into it. And what I hope this audience takes away is um, the level of care and intentionality that you all put into this episode. You're talking to operations cast members who day in and day out, you all put your heart and soul in what we make for the guests. And what I love about this is that we're talking about the fact that no matter where you sit as it relates to this great brand, whether it's 20th Television, Synergy, Marketing, Park Ops, we all care about the same thing, which is how this magic is presented and making sure we tell inclusive stories. Barbara said she wanted to know, did they do all right? Did they do all right? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.